Welcome, everyone. This is the Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Carla M. Zems, the Ernst & Young Professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Professor Zems is one of the co-authors of a recent research paper entitled Old Institutions, New Report, Auditors' Experiences Implementing Critical Audit Matter Reporting. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Professor, your research paper explores how independent auditors implemented critical audit matter reporting. So can we begin by providing our listeners with some background and an overview of critical audit matter reporting and what motivated you and your co-authors to conduct research on how critical audit matter reporting was implemented by the auditing profession. Absolutely, Jeff. This is a way to think about CAM reporting. You need to understand that for about 70 years, auditors of all shapes and sizes, for clients of all shapes and sizes, issued essentially the same audit report. It was a three-paragraph report. And the only thing that really differed in most cases from one company to another in terms of the audit report was the name of the company and the period being audited. Otherwise, it was a standard report right down to the exact same words. So auditors behind the scenes do lots of work to get comfortable that the numbers that management is asserting are acceptable under generally accepted accounting principles. And yet auditors have struggled to portray that knowledge and that effort that they've given in conducting the audit to users. So users get a standard report, even though auditors are doing lots of different things across lots of different types of engagements. So for example, an audit report in the past of like General Electric, right, a huge multinational company would look basically the same as a, you know, a very small public company, uh, you know, maybe regionally located. And we all know that, of course, the audit would have been very, very different for those two types of entities. So the old reporting model just didn't allow auditors to express themselves and help users understand the things that, let's say, kept them up at night uh, and what they did about those things in the audit. So critical audit matter reporting is the intended solution to that problem. So over in Europe, we had key audit matter reporting that started back in 2013. Key audit matters used to be called risk of material misstatements, RMMs. Then they came out with key audit matters. And then given all that was going on internationally, the PCAOB began its own standard setting in this regard and came up with critical audit matters. And those are what auditors for U.S. listed companies provide in addition to expressing an opinion on whether or not the financial statements are correctly stated under GAAP. So what these critical audit matters do, they're very similar to key audit matters, although they tend to be less numerous and less expansive. They try to give an opportunity for auditors to tell users about specific items in the financial statements that auditors addressed and made complex judgments about. And in addition, auditors are able to report what they did to gain comfort that those numbers and disclosures that management's making are appropriate under GAAP. Professor, your report indicates that audit firms employ five rules of 
in implementing the new Critical Audit Matter Reporting Standard, or so-called AS3101. Can you explain those rules of thumb and their implications for the quality of critical audit matter reporting? Absolutely, Jeff. The question I think that you're asking really is, you know, what did we find? And before I answer that, let me tell you how we conducted the study very briefly. Uh, What we did is we interviewed 30 audit partners primarily and a few senior managers Some of these audit partners were national leaders in CAM reporting. So we had very highly experienced audit partners in most cases responding to us in an interview format. And so from those interviews, what we did is we analyzed the transcripts of those interviews and came up with some themes. And that forms the basis for our fundamental results in the paper. So what we call them is informal rules for producing comfort with critical audit matter reporting. In other words, auditors are doing things to address what's demanded by the auditing standard for critical audit matters and also using, say, rules of thumb to help them implement the formal rules. So the five rules are this. First, auditors do not want to be an outlier in their reporting. So audit firm one wants to look like audit firm two, wants to look like audit firm three. So that is a defensive behavior where auditors don't want to look too much different for fear of standing out from the crowd and maybe being judged as reporting inappropriately. Now, of course, that counters what the intent of the auditing standard is, which is to provide auditors with an arena to discuss what they did in the audit and what they did to resolve any concerns that they had. So auditors recognize the potential of the standard, and yet they want to make sure that they report in a way that doesn't cause them to look different too much from other audit firms. The second rule of thumb is that reporting zero CAMs is taboo. So when you actually read the text of the Critical Audit Matter Standard, there's no discussion in there that says, you know, hey, auditor, you must have zero CAMs in this instance, one CAM in this instance, two CAMs in this instance. It leaves that completely up to auditor's judgment. And what auditors did as they started thinking about implementing the new standard is they listened very closely to the implementation guidelines that the PCAOB put out. And what they concluded is that reporting zero CAMs is a no-no. In other words, the PCAOB is expecting that there is at least one or more significant judgments that kept auditors up at night when they conducted these audits. So the PCAOB is, the way that auditors are interpreting this is that the PCAOB is saying, hey, don't tell me that there's no significant, risky, complex judgments. There must be at least one. The third rule of thumb is that auditors want to report at least one recurring CAM. In other words, let's say that there was a a CAM about revenue in year one and revenue in year two. They're going to want to report a CAM on revenue on an ongoing basis because if they report a CAM that's only a one-time CAM and then it doesn't happen the next year, 
Well, then they would fall back to violating informal rule number two, which is reporting zero cams is taboo. So auditors want to make sure they always have at least one cam and that it's recurring so they don't have a reason to fall back to none. The last two informal rules of producing comfort with CAM reporting are number four, that auditors want there to be no surprises for the client and the audit committee. They do not want to spring anything on the client or audit committee at the last minute that the client is unaware of. Now, remember, CAM reporting is not intended to provide any new information about the financial statements to users. Rather, it's intended to discuss what auditors felt were the most complex, difficult judgments. So auditors aren't supposed to be providing any new information per se. So you might say, well, if they're not providing any new information, why would the client be worried? Well, Clients are always worried, audit committees are always worried that the auditor is going to say something that, say, analysts or users find surprising. And so the client really wants to know what the auditor's CAMs are going to be well before year end, well before the audit report is issued, so that, for example, they may ameliorate auditors' concerns in the area of the CAM and perhaps end up where the auditor doesn't feel a CAM needs to be reported in the end. And then finally, the fifth informal rule for producing comfort is that there's no surprises for investors. Auditors are aware that investors care about stock price volatility. So auditors try to not rock the boat in terms of providing information to the market that would cause a surprise, a negative surprise, or even a surprise that just leads to volatility in the stock price, which is undesirable. So with these five rules of thumb, auditors, if they implement these, they feel comfortable when they're issuing their CAM report that they're not going to have a client that's angry with them, an audit committee that's going to fire them, management that is angry with them and is therefore difficult to work with in the future. They're hoping not to have any litigation. And they're also hoping that the PCAOB does not end up using CAM reporting in an enforcement action that highlights something that the PCAOB is concluding that the auditor did wrong. So that's the, you know, that's the big fear. Those are the big fears that auditors have in this reporting. And what our results show is the auditors have an interest in providing information about, you know, critical audit matters, and they want to adhere to the standard, but they feel that they're in an environment that puts a lot of risk on them. And so they implement these five rules of thumb to mitigate that risk. And so the result is that auditors, you know, want to comply. They do comply, but they're complying in a way that perhaps doesn't yield the most useful information to, say, investors. Professor, your report concludes that the Critical Audit Matters Standard, or AS3101, has potential to dramatically increase the audit report's usefulness. So can you discuss the basis for that conclusion? Yeah, so if you think about uh, the fact that critical audit matters are not intended to provide users with any new information about the items in the financial statements, rather they're intended to target users' attention toward areas that the auditor felt was uh, risky, complex, judgmental. And then the auditor says, hey, these are the, the areas that I worried about. And by the way, this is how it affected the conduct of my audit. 
So it provides a look that investors or users didn't have before. It helps them understand the accounts that when they're looking at the balance sheet or the income statement, let's say the auditor highlights uh, revenue as a critical audit matter. Well, now investors can look at the revenue line item, look at the footnote disclosure, and know that what was disclosed by management was very complex, very judgmental, and the auditor was very concerned about whether management's assertions were accurate. So in other words, it's kind of like auditors are helping users to understand where uncertainty is the greatest in line items on the financial statements. Professor, your report also concludes that it's unlikely that the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board can realign auditors' critical audit matter practices with the spirit of AS3101 through inspections alone as the PCOB's 2020 inspection findings do not highlight an overarching issue with auditors' CAM practices, but specific instances in which engagement teams failed to execute those practices correctly. Can you explain that conclusion for our listeners? Yes. Essentially, what we're saying is that inspections alone or the threat of having a PCAOB enforcement action revealed to the public uh, via the PCAOB's website is something that auditors want to avoid. So they're faced with, on one hand, wanting to provide useful information to users, wanting to comply with the spirit of the critical audit matter standard. And on the other side, the highest risk that they face is, say, litigation or PCAOB enforcement actions. So their auditors are in this place of trying to accomplish two objectives, being useful while not getting themselves in trouble. So helping uh, or, or telling auditors that they're doing the wrong thing very publicly through an enforcement action or findings in an inspection report only makes auditors more worried about what they're saying in their critical audit matter disclosures. It doesn't make them feel reassured that they're not going to get in trouble for what they say. So inspections and enforcement actions are a big, negative, heavy stick that auditors are afraid of getting hit with. So they react very defensively. So in our opinion, the only way to make auditors less worried about that is for the PCOB to issue, say, guidance, training materials, and to provide positive feedback on instances where CAM reporting was done well. For example, even through uh, PCOB board member speeches, anything to provide the auditor with reassurance that the PCOB isn't using critical audit matters standards just to give auditors a bad reputation, but rather highlighting instances when auditors are doing a good job with critical audit matter reporting. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to again thank my special guest, Carla M. Zems, the Ernst & Young professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. 
The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.